0: Hello, this is Pastor Nate Ward with Open Door Church, and I wanted to take a moment to welcome you to our podcast. It's my personal prayer that you would be encouraged and encountered by the Holy Spirit and challenged by His Word. May the Lord bless you and stir faith as you listen to this week's message. Okay. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your Word. Lord, I thank you that you speak, Lord, and I thank you that you're here, Lord, that you don't just speak to us through words that are written in a book, Lord, but that your spirit attests to its life-giving power, and Lord, I'm asking for that reality to be present this morning as we study your word, as we, as we read it, as we examine it, Lord, as we look to the promises of scripture, but Lord, I'm asking that your word would apprehend us, Lord, that there'd be a transformational shift in the way that we conduct and lived our, live our lives based upon your word this morning, that you might receive glory in Jesus' name. The last number of weeks, we've been talking about the fear of the Lord pretty extensively. I mentioned that on Sunday mornings, we've been really discussing the concept or the just the... Um, the, the really the concept of the fear of the Lord throughout scripture, what it is, what it isn't, how it applies to our life, why we should fear God. And then last week I, I started teaching on um, the blessings that come with fearing God, that there is actually promises that God has made to his people that if we fear him, good things would come our way. And so we started down this road of uh, examining the blessings that God gives, and the promises that He makes, and the repercussions that exist for those that fear God and those that don't fear God. And uh, it's been it's been somewhat exciting. And so with that, we we had to we had to come to a healthy understanding and definition of what the fear of the Lord is and what it isn't. Right. We, we understand that fearing God is not just a fear of going to hell one day. It's not just a uh, being terrified that he's some kind of unpredictable loose cannon and you never know what's going to happen. It's not this aspect of being scared of God or scared of his judgment. And then on the other hand, what has been commonly kind of perpetuated is that fearing God is simply a place of honoring God. Or reverencing God, which is an incomplete definition of what it is to fear the Lord. Neither one of these things um, offer a clear, neither one of the things that I just mentioned uh, really offer a clear perspective of what the fear of the Lord actually is is and i believe it lies somewhere in between in fact i think hebrews chapter 12 verses 28 and 29 kind of give a give good insight into what fearing the lord actually is therefore since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken let us ha- by grace let us have grace by which we must wow by which we must serve god acceptably with reverence And godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. The writer of Hebrews here tells us that we need to serve God with reverence and godly fear. That means that godly fear can't just merely equate to reverence, right? In fact, the New Living Translation says that we're supposed to serve him with godly fear and with awe, and that our God is a devouring fire, an all consuming fire. Fire. This kind of language here points to to something that means fearing God is more than just uh, uh, more than just holding him in a, a right standing, more than just kind of having him uh, have the first place, or even honoring him or recognizing him as God. That's definitely an aspect of it, but it's an inferior uh, kind of interpretation of what it actually means to fear the Lord. I believe that the fear of the Lord, because it's always mentioned in a positive light, and how it's so closely tied of the 300 times that it's mentioned throughout Scripture, um, it's mentioned in a positive light. Almost, it's mentioned in a positive light all 100 percent of the time, and the majority of those times, it is closely associated with walking in obedience to the Lord. And so with that being said, I really believe that there's a fear of the Lord that, that manifests itself as a fear of separation, a fear of distance, a fear of displeasure of, uh, of, any, of any of these things that would come between you and your relationship with God that's motivated by a place of loving God. Does that make sense? In the same way that, you know, you might love a a parent or a family member, that you don't want to disappoint them, that you live your life closely, um, that they might receive honor from your conduct, right? Uh, Think of a dad that maybe you really want to impress and that you love so dearly, um, that you live your life in such a way that he could receive honor because you love him. And that you don't want there to ever be bad blood between the two of you or something, something in that context. I believe that the fear of the Lord can be closely translated in that, that we love God. We want to please him. We want to obey him. We want to bring him glory. So there's this holy fear of displeasing God that is motivated by love for Jesus, but also has this healthy appreciation of who God is. And so there is this reverence. There is this honor. There is this this sense of, well, God, you're amazing, and you could destroy me in a second. And so I'm going to healthily fear you. It's kind of like the concept of a fire. In fact, here we even have the the connection in Hebrews chapter 12 of God being an all-consuming fire, right? Uh, of uh, Of him kind of manifesting himself as fire throughout Scripture. We see it. Um, and I want us to think about it, right? Fire is one of those things that we're to have a healthy fear of, right? And we, we teach our kids. I teach my son saying, hot, no, no, ouchie. And so you don't touch it. <laughs> you don't get too close when we go camping. Finn, you're not allowed to play by the fire. And, and sometimes he doesn't understand, right? Because he's new, and, but, but he has a, he's developed a reverence for the fire. Because it's not bad, right? How, how fun would camping be without a campfire? You guys remember when we weren't allowed to have fires because it was the whole state was on fire, right? <laughs> it's not that fun. Nobody wants to go camping without a campfire, right? <laughs> right? Nobody's answering me, my questions. <laughs> and so it's not that fire's bad. You just need to have a healthy appreciation for it. In the same way that we're not to be scared of God. God's not bad. He's, he's 100% good. And we want him around. But how we approach and how we handle and how we revere that fire or how we revere the Lord is kind of inter... uh, It's kind of uh, related to him being around, right? In fact, I gave a one-liner two weeks ago that I was proud of that I wanted you guys to remember. And it was that reverence attracts presence. When we revere the Lord... When we have him in the place of uh, first priority, he's attracted to that, and his, his presence manifests itself in a place where there's room for him to do so, where he has space, where he's honored. And it's, uh, I believe that's a consistent theme throughout Scripture. I've never, and throughout my life, I've never had a moment where I've invited the Lord to come or invited the Lord to or intentionally made room for him where he's not shown up in power. And, uh, I believe that that is true for our lives as well as the congregation, um, that God loves to move, uh, in the place where he's honored, in the place where he's revered. And so last week we wound up talking about Psalm 128 and Psalm 128 offers these beautiful promises of blessing for those that fear the Lord. And, uh, Psalm 128 verses 1 and 2 say this, Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to Him. You will eat the fruit of your labor, blessing and prosperity will be yours. And and I only got through the first two verses last week of preaching on Psalm 128. Um, because the the continuation of this psalm will actually lead into one of my first points. And I'm excited to get there. But there is this promise For those that fear God, that they would be blessed, that they would be joyful, and that they would be happy. How many of you guys want that? How many of you guys want to be blessed? I want to be blessed, right? How many of you guys want to be joyful? Yes, you do. I promise you, if you're here and it's like, you know, I'm kind of melancholy. I don't like all those happy people. You're wrong. You do want to be happy. You do want to be joyful, and that's the enemy in your life telling you otherwise. But there are blessings for those who fear and serve God. But it was important for me to note that we do not serve God. We do not fear God in order to receive a blessing, right? We don't operate in obedience. We don't do the things that we're supposed to do in order to get something from God. In fact, the same way that I mentioned just a few moments ago where we were taking the offering, we're not giving to God so we can expect a big return, right? Those things happen as a byproduct of walking in the fear of the Lord, of honoring the Lord, of serving God. It's kind of like the ice cream sundae where God is the Sunday, but the blessings are like the sprinkles and the cherry on top, right? They come with the package. It's a package deal. When you serve Jesus, when you love Jesus, there are, there are blessings, there are provisions, there is favor that comes with placing Him first, Um, but we have to understand that's not the primary motivation because those things do come and go. I want you to understand that. I need you to know that the blessing of the Lord, the provision of the Lord, it's not that He changes. He never departs. He never leaves, and He sustains us through all seasons and circumstances of life. But you can't read Scripture and tell me that God always wants you to be rich. You can't read Scripture and tell me that God always wants wants you to have the perfect life because we see biblical examples of men and women that fear God, but because we live in a broken world, because we live where sin does run rampant, that there are repercussions that come by. um, But the promise of God still remains is that he's faithful. He's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. He's going to sustain us. And I do believe that that the biblical concept of blessing and favor is provided to us when we walk in obedience. Does that make sense? So we don't serve God to get something from him other than him himself. But with him, right, when you get the king, you get the kingdom as well. And so when we serve Jesus, the things of the kingdom uh, come with that, right? That's why we're to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto it. The things that we worry about, the things that we need, I believe God watches out for us as we place him in a rightful place. So therefore, if we fear the Lord appropriately, we position ourselves for the blessing and favor of God that uh, comes only to those that fear the Lord. So with that being said, I've compiled a a short list of, and I really had to condense it down because I wanted to be focused uh, and intent about these, uh, these things that I was sharing this morning. And so I narrowed it down to like the top seven promises for those that fear the Lord. As you As you begin to study, like I said, there's 300 mentions of the fear of the Lord in Scripture. Almost all of them are associated directly with some beautiful promise of the Lord. And so I narrowed it down to what I consider to be Pastor Nate's top seven, right? If if this was like a a clickbait article on the internet that people share on Facebook, it'd be like top seven reasons uh, to fear the Lord, number six will blow your mind. Right? And you click on it and then you get sold something that you didn't need or something like that. And all of a sudden you're getting all these emails. Uh, This is Holy Spirit clickbait here. And it's fantastic. Um, No, I I, I say top seven. I I didn't list these in any kind of priority that one's better than the other. Like you're going to get to the very end and this is the absolute best blessing that comes from serving the Lord or for fearing God. Um, I just was examining scripture, and I'm going to give a lot of scripture to you this morning of seven blessings or seven themes that I I felt kind of uh, maybe some of the different blessings that I was reading through scripture fell into. The first one, and to kick it off is because this is where we were last week, was that there is a promise of a healthy family unit for those that fear the Lord. How many of you guys understand that we look at the kind of the working of the enemy and we look at God's intended design for the family and his place of primary attack, especially in this day of age, especially in our culture, has been on the family. My wife is a school teacher, and I think you had one one kid this year that had, or two kids maybe, two out of 18 that had both parents in the home. Right. And I mean, one of them were one of those families were like practicing witches. (laughs) Right. So, I mean, crazy in our society, in our culture, there has been a degradation of the family unit. Amen. Right. We can look at it. We can see it Uh, when we turn on the television, when we kind of see what's in entertainment. The new normal is that your family is broken. The new normal is that there's division and split between your family. It's it, The abnormal thing for for this culture is for a child to be raised in a home with a mom and a dad that both love each other and love God. That is beyond, that's, that's so far out of the spectrum of what's normal for society these days. And I believe if we're going to see a return of... of of biblical living if we're going to see god kind of apprehend the culture which i i believe that america is not too far gone for a move of god that can completely transform millions of lives i know so many people have given up on her i know so many people have talked have spoken ill that you know god's just going to bring judgment on this nation But I believe in a God that's able to do immeasurably more than what we could ask for or imagine. And I don't believe that he's done with our nation. I don't believe he's done with our culture. I don't believe he's done with Pagosa Springs. In fact, the first words that were spoken to me, some of the very first words that were spoken to me upon my arrival in Pagosa Springs was this is the place that you come if you want to get a divorce. That, that 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 I had I had that advice, not just from one person. Tell me that. It's like, wow, you're grim. Like, this is discouraging, right? <laughs> but startling if we if we I, I know that we all can see it. And some of us maybe have even walked through it, and it's heartbreaking and heart-wrenching. There are dear friends of ours from this church that are not serving the Lord now because of the, because of the ramifications of it. The enemy loves to destroy families. And I would encourage you, don't think that your family is immune. Don't think that your, your, your home is immune to attack. Just because you know, I go to church. I did that tithing thing that the pastor talked about. The enemy will attack your home enemy will come against your family, but there is a promise from the Lord that those who fear him will have a healthy home. In fact, uh, I'm going to start here just with the practical that, that we'll have a fruitful and a prosperous home. In fact, uh, number, verse 1 in Psalm 128 says, How joyful are those who fear the Lord, who always follow his ways. You will enjoy the fruit of your labor. How joyful and prosperous you will be. Good news. How many of you guys want to be joyful and prosperous? Fear God. There you go. (laughs) Your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine flourishing within your home. Your children will be like vigorous young olive trees as they sit around your table. That is the Lord's blessings for those who fear Him. There is a promise from God to provide a family. Those that fear him. Now, this doesn't always mean that it's by natural birth. In fact, even for me, when I first gave my life to the Lord, I didn't have really much of a family or a home, but I got adopted into a spiritual home of the family of God. You know, Pastor Josh Richardson, he used to be the youth pastor here at this church. It's crazy. You can't make this stuff up. God is this good. Became like a father to me. I sat around his table. And I, I look, I look at, he, he has a family of his own, but he's got spiritual sons and daughters that are changing the world, like literally right now. They're across the world. My best, one of my best friends, he was here two weeks ago. His name's Mason Turner. We got saved the same week, gave our lives to the Lord, and got invited into this man's home as a spiritual, as spiritual sons. He's on the other side of the world in, Th- well, he's not in Thailand right now. He's on his way back. Um. And seeing God change the change the landscape and the atmosphere, I mean, there's there's probably eight or ten of us that are all in full time ministry, because we we were we were mentored, and we were adopted into a spiritual family, and it's awesome, it's fantastic, it's great. Um, and then for me, there was a I, I didn't grow up with a family around as far as really, especially not a healthy one. Both of my parents were heroin addicts, and I saw a lot of brokenness. In fact, one of my greatest fears was that, you know, I'm never going to be a good dad. I'm never going to be a good husband, because I never saw it. I didn't have that kind of example. It was something the enemy targeted with me, that it's just extreme fear. But uh, the Lord has blessed me. I mean, I have a beautiful family. I have a beautiful son who's rambunctious and crazy and loves to ride his bike down mountains and he's two. (laughs) In fact, this big hill outside the church, he loves going down it on his bike. It's scary. Um, But there is the promise of a family. And in fact, I believe there's a promise of healthy family that comes for those that fear the Lord. And we're going to look at how that manifests and how that matures as we continue on through these promises. And so, Uh, The second promise that I see, the second blessing that comes from fearing the Lord is wisdom and knowledge. In fact, this is probably where most people's minds immediately jump to when we talk about the fear of the Lord and the good that it brings. There's some pretty popular passages of Scripture throughout the book of Proverbs that reflect this notion that the beginning or that wisdom and knowledge come to those who fear the lord in fact proverbs 1 7 says the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge fools despise wisdom and instruction proverbs nine ten similarly says that the begin that the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy one is understanding and if you were to ask the wisest person who ever lived his name was king solomon right he wrote uh a good portion of the books on wisdom because God granted him wisdom. But even with all the wisdom he had, he still failed to meet uh, God's expectations, he wound up living in sin. It was a sad day. But uh, he was wise and the words that he shared, um, had truth to them. And if you were going to define wisdom on his terms, he would define wisdom as walking in obedience to the Lord. In fact, Proverbs 4.11 actually talks about wisdom. Um, he says that wisdom leads one on the path of righteousness. He goes on to say in Ecclesiastes 2.6 that the man who pleases God is granted wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. And uh, I, I think that a, a clear understanding of wisdom is not just, you know, you're smart, <laughs> It's not just that you know, you know what to do in certain si- circumstances and circums- certain si- situations. I believe wisdom manifests itself in maturity when it's demonstrated by obedience to the Lord's word and his will. Wisdom is the ability, a biblical understanding of wisdom is the ability to trust in the Lord and follow his commands. And as you kind of break down all these passages on what wisdom is, there's so many scriptures throughout Proverbs about wisdom. Inevitably, they all end at the same point. Are you obeying God? <laughs> and uh, I think at this moment, it would be important to note that there's a clear difference between knowledge and wisdom. And I think that sometimes we can kind of get confused, when, especially when we're reading verses like, is it the beginning of knowledge or is it the beginning of wisdom? And I believe that wisdom, actually, uh, they're connected, but they're not the same thing. Does that make sense? Knowledge is centered around information, right? What you know. You can read a book and then know something, right? I can read a book and know that 2 plus 2 equals 4. I can read a book and know what the Pythagorean theorem is, right? How do you say that? I don't know what it is, evidently. (laughs) A squared plus B squared equals C squared. Right, that's it, right? See, I remembered something from high school. Do I know when to apply that? Not at all. <laughs> actually, it's when you're trying to find the long edge of a of a triangle, right? I actually used that the other day cuz I was doing molding in my bathroom. I I didn't remember how I had to google it, but I used it eventually. <laughs> Sorry. But knowledge is centered around information, right? Wisdom is focused on Application. It does you no good to know something if it's never put into practice practically. I'll say that again. Knowledge is centered around information, which you need to know information in order to have wisdom. Like you need to know things. I'm not saying that that's bad. But knowledge in and of itself is insufficient. Knowing something doesn't actually manifest itself into applying what you know into your life. That's how I like to best define the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is knowing something. Wisdom is knowing what to do with what you know. Does that make sense? Kind of? Okay, you're tracking with me, right? (laughs) If you don't have wisdom that goes with knowledge, you are nothing more than a walking encyclopedia. How many of you guys have been around those people? The know-it-alls, right? They know everything everything about anything and everything. They can spat off statistics. They can tell you all about how something was created. Um, But then you can sometimes, I know a handful of these people and I look at their lives like, man, you sure do know a lot, but you're not getting anywhere with everything you know, right? (laughs) They can know everything there is to know about something but not know how to read a situation in a room and the fact that nobody cares what you know right the, the the know-it-alls we've we've been there and it's something that i think is true that especially when they right when it comes to knowledge um, there's there's something about knowledge that puffs us up right even paul wrote us about he wrote about that in 1 corinthians 8:1 that knowledge that we all possess it can puff up right it puffs up there's a there's a, there's an association of knowledge that comes with pride Right? Know-it-all. I'm smart. I've got it figured out. I know doctors whose families have fallen apart. They've got degrees up the wazoo, but they didn't have the wisdom to keep their home intact. They didn't have wisdom to know how to stay out of sin and deception. And so you can know a lot, but not be wise. Does that make sense? It's hard to be around know-it-alls, isn't it? (laughs) Because knowledge can puff up. In fact, that's even why Paul said again in 1 Corinthians that we can understand all mysteries and all all knowledge, but we don't have love, we're nothing, right? And so it's not just about what we know. Though knowledge is important, we need to actually marry that knowledge with wisdom. And in fact, when we're reading here in Scripture, especially when we're talking about the fear of the Lord, right, and the blessings that come with the fear of the Lord, the knowledge that is being talked about here is not just practical knowledge, not like knowing what to do with the stock market, right? Not having some kind of inside information. That's not the knowledge that uh, that Solomon was talking about here. In fact, he even goes on to further clarify when he mentions that the beginning of the Lord is the uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and that knowledge of the Holy One leads to understanding. He, he's talking about here knowledge of the Holy, knowledge of the Holy One. It's to know God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowing God. And right, that's that's why we can read in Jeremiah 9, uh, 23, that let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, or the strong man boast in his strength, or the rich man boast in his ris- or, uh, riches, Wow, I mumbled that one. You guys got what I was saying. But let him who boasts boast about this, that he understands and knows me. There is this promise of fearing God that leads to the knowledge of him, to knowing God intimately, to knowing God personally and relationally. And that is the foundation for Christian life. Right? That is what's going to be the most important question at the end of the day. At the end of the day, when we're standing before God face to face, is do you know me? Do you have a knowledge of him? So the first one, the first promise I believe, man, I'm only at two. I got seven of these. I I told myself it was gonna be quick. Number one was that there's the promise of a family for those that fear the Lord. There's the promise of wisdom and knowledge for those that fear the Lord. Number three is that there's strength for us to turn away from evil. How many of you guys? Uh, how many of you guys love the Lord, but still struggle with sin? Some of y'all are lying. <laughs> Just saying, I love the Lord, but I have a. There are things that turn their head in my life that I hate and I want to change. Right? And I believe as you grow in the fear of the Lord, that you grow in love for God, and in turn there is strength and desire to turn away from evil. In fact, Proverbs 16.6 says this about the fear of the Lord. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. You want to stop sinning? Fear God. (laughs) Right? And I understand just fearing God. Okay, I don't understand. That's why you all need to come on Sunday nights where we're teaching about how to fear the Lord. (laughs) Um, But if, right, there's this promise here that if we fear the Lord that we will depart from evil. (laughs) And not only do we have this promise of departing from evil, but those who fear the Lord actually have the promise of hating sin, right? Proverbs 8.13, it's a popular passage of scripture about the fear of the Lord, but all who fear the Lord will hate evil. And then the Lord says that he hates pride and ignorance, ignorance, corruption, and perverse speech. There is a gift for those that fear the Lord, and I believe it's supernatural empowerment to turn away from sin. Which we need to fear the Lord, right? Walking in obedience is so closely tied to the fear of the Lord. And so I believe it's one of those things, as you grow in one area, you're going to grow in the other. As you grow in fearing God, you're going to grow in obedience. You're going to grow in loving God and turning away from sin. And as you grow in that arena, it's going to cause you to have an appropriate honor and reverence of fearing God more. It, they feed off each other. And so start there. God's good. Amen? Amen. (laughs) Number four, I believe that another promise in Pastor Nate's top seven promises of the fear of the Lord is that we get promised life and life abundantly, right? John 10.10 says that Jesus came that we might have life and life abundantly, whereas the thief came to still kill and destroy, right? Jesus came that we might have life and life abundantly, And uh, I believe that that same promise exists all throughout Scripture when talking about the fear of the Lord. There's a promise that you'll live longer, actually, that you'll be more productive, and that you'll have greater satisfaction from your life if you fear God. I'm going to give you some quick examples in Scripture that just detail this. In fact, Proverbs 10.27 says that the fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked will be shortened saying that you'll live longer, but not just this. And I think it's interesting because a lot of scholars would agree when the Lord, when uh, talking here about this particular verse of Scripture where it says that the Lord prolongs days, it's actually referring to productivity as well as adding years to your life. And so, right, we think about days. How many of you guys have ever said this? I wish there was just more time in the day to get things done. You guys ever do that? The Lord will actually give time to your days to get things done, I believe. I believe that there is this, I I believe that there is opportunity and uh, even just, even figuratively speaking here, the author's um, kind of giving insight to us as those who fear God can be more productive. And then also the practical aspect of we can live longer. (laughs) And it's not just like living longer for the sake of, right, the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. There's some practicality to that where we can live longer. Um, in the sense that uh, you've seen these examples of people that live like till they're like 120. We were watching this food show on on Netflix the other day and this lady's making this awesome stuff that I can't pronounce. And she's like 119 or something like that and she's still getting after it every morning at like 4 a.m. I was like, what? I don't think I want to live that long. Um, <laughs> but if I do... I want to be vibrant and full of life. When I when life gets hard and it, you know it's not enjoyable, Jesus take me home, uh, right? <laughs> My wife's like shaking her head. And it's like no, that's not okay. But I'm saying this in the sense that not only does the life that the Lord promised to us is longer than those that don't fear God, but there's this promise that uh, it would be abundant as well, and that it would be satisfying. In fact, uh, verses, uh, Proverbs 14.27 says this, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Proverbs 19.23 says that the fear of the Lord leads to life, and he who has it will abide in satisfaction, and he will not be visited with evil. That's an awesome promise of Scripture That you can live your life in complete satisfaction. There's so many other verses um, talking about being content because you fear the Lord. Being being full because you fear the Lord. There's so many beautiful promises that we could kind of fit underneath this idea of living life and living it abundantly. Um, But I I just love love that promise that fearing the Lord leads to life. And that he who has it will abide in satisfaction. You're going to be satisfied in Him. Okay, number five. We're going to get through these. Uh, I believe that the fear of the Lord promises us protection, provision, and deliverance from trouble. And so this is uh, protection, provision, and deliverance from trouble. In fact, uh, Proverbs 19.23, the verse that I just read, I, I really like how the New Living Translation puts it. He says, fear the Lord leads to life, bringing security and protection from harm. Did you know that there is a there is a promise of Scripture for those that fear the Lord that they will be protected? That God will watch out for them. That you won't be visited by evil. <laughs> this is This is awesome. This is in here. Uh, I'm going to read uh, Psalm 33, verses 18 and 19 to you. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. This is talking about the provision of God. On those who hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. That there is this promise that even though the world might be going to hell around you, in like a literal sense here, that's actually happening though everything is crumbling, though we might be in the midst of famine and despair and brokenness, that the Lord will provide in that season to those who fear Him. There is provision that is promised. There's protection that's promised. Did you know guardian angels are a real thing? Like like for real. Now, I'm not talking like one of those like little wooden statues that they sell at the hospital and whatnot. I'm talking about like The angel of the Lord will protect you. In fact, that's Psalm 34, 7, that the angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. That is a promise that the Lord will fight on your behalf, that he'll encamp around those that fear him. Psalm 34, 9 says, Oh, fear the Lord, you saints. There is no want for those who fear him. Not only does he protect, but he provides for those that fear him. Number six. This is is where it gets fun, guys. I'm going to do my best to wrap it up here pretty quickly, but I'm not going to apologize if, if if we get hung up here for a moment. Turn with me to Psalm 112. Those who fear God Will not be afraid. This is one of the, one of the more encompassing, I guess, um, promises that is made for those that fear the Lord. I'm going to begin by reading Psalm 112. Blessed are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands, their children will be successful everywhere. Guys, you can read Psalm 112 and apply it to everything we've just talked about. Um, Their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. They themselves will be wealthy, and their good deeds will last forever. There is a promise, friends, and I didn't hit on it a ton here, but there is promises to those who fear the Lord that there will be wealth for you. And uh, I'm not a prosperity gospel preacher. I believe that there are, I mean, I believe we can look to Jesus and see that he didn't have much. We can look at we can look at a lot of the apostles and see that they did a lot with very little. And uh, I'm not here to say that, you know, just because you love and fear God that he's going to give you a ton of money. But there is a biblical principle here that those that fear God and place him in the right place, that blessing and wealth will come to you. Um, that's, that's scripture. Light shines in the darkness for the godly. They are generous, compassionate, and righteous. Good comes to those who lend money generously and conduct their business fairly. Such people will not be overcome by evil. Those who are righteous will long be remembered. They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They are confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. I love the way kind of the New King James uh, puts this. And uh, my paraphrase here will be um, Psalm 112, verses 1, and then jumping down to 7 and 8. But, uh, blessed are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands they shall not be afraid, and they do not fear bad news. Their trust, uh, their trust is confidently placed in the Lord. If you kind of break this down, there's lots of promises in there, but there's this, there's this promise. All of these promises are applied to those that fear the Lord, but there is a special place that you shall fear the Lord and not be afraid. You don't have to be afraid of bad news coming. You don't have to be afraid of man's uh, kind of opinion, right? This is what Jesus t- talks about. I believe in Matthew chapter 10 that we're not to fear those that can destroy the body here on earth, but dest- but fear the fear the God that can destroy both body and soul in hell. Um, there is this aspect, friends, that those who fear God will not be will not need to be afraid of the things that we're used to being afraid of. If, we're, if we fear the Lord, we don't have to fear man. We don't have to fear uh, disaster or trouble. We don't have to fear uh, what tomorrow might bring when our fear is confidently placed in the God of our salvation. The man who fears the Lord places God in right perspective over circumstance and situation. Therefore, he has no need to be afraid. If we place God in the rightful place of reverence, having the first place, we have no need to fear anything else. And I, I took special note here that fearing God releases you from the fear of man. When you live to please God, you can no longer live to please people. And in the fact, the fact of the matter is this, because um, I, I know a lot of people struggle with this, of being people pleasers. It can be, it can be a problem for me. I want people to like me. I want people to have like a good view of me. I want to make people happy with my decisions. But I can't always do that and please God at the same time. And scripture promises us that everything that we need to to live a life that brings God glory is already provided to us through his word. But it doesn't say that he's making every provision for us live our lives to please people. I believe that every provision that, that needs to be made for us to please and honor God, to accomplish the will of God for our lives, he provides. He makes it ready for us. But when we step out of seeking just to please the Lord and we try to please everybody else, there isn't grace and there isn't provision to make those needs, and it eventually will run short, and it's not going to happen. What does that mean? I can confidently and assuredly say to you this morning that I'm going to let you down. I'm going to disappoint you as long as I continue to strive to keep God first. As long as I continue to place my fear of God above my fear of your perception of me. And there's something refreshing about being able to say, that's okay. There's something awesome about being able to to step away from that, knowing that I'm going to let you down probably. I'm going to disappoint you. I'm not going to make the decisions that you want me to make if I'm making the decisions that the Lord wants me to make. And he's going to take care of it. And I believe that there's something, there's something freeing about understanding that in the context of how you live your life amongst every other person on the face of this earth. Now, that doesn't mean to say that you just throw a blatant disregard to people for how they feel and their actions and and, and emotions and those things. But there is something, uh, at least for me, um, in understanding that God provides for me to do what he's asked me to do. And he doesn't give extra for me to try to make up for what you want me to do. Does that make sense? And I want you guys to live confidently in freedom I want you guys to live confidently in the understanding that you can please God. That doesn't mean you're going to please everybody else on the the face of the earth. In fact, if you're pleasing God, you're probably ticking a lot of people off. Does that make sense? And that's okay. And my seventh, and this is is my last one, and it'll be quick. Um, Those that fear God are considered his friends. There is a promise of friendship for those who fear the Lord. And I saved this one for last because it's, it's one of my favorites. It's one of my favorite verses of Scripture. It's something that we've kind of revisited over and over and over again as we've been talking about the fear of the Lord. But Psalm 25, 14 says that the Lord is a friend to those who fear him. He teaches them his covenant. Friendship with the Lord is reserved for those who fear him. With them, he shares the secrets of his covenant. Isn't that awesome? That tells me that there is a friendship, there's a relationship that we can have with God that is so personal and that he so trusts us that he'll tell us things that he won't tell other people. I believe, friends, that you can have a relationship with God that's rooted in honoring him and fearing him, that he'll tell you things that he doesn't tell other people. That he'll share secrets with you that he'll give you insight, that he'll give you wisdom, that he'll he'll teach you things that aren't uh, common knowledge to everybody else. And friends, I want to live that way where I'm walking so closely with the Lord that he considers me his friend, that he had told me things that he doesn't trust you with. Now, that's not true. I want you to be so close to God that you're considered his friend too. It's not a place of pride or arrogance. I just want to be that close to God. I want I want to have a friendship with God that that is closer than I have with any other person. And I believe that that's a reality that we can walk in. I believe that's a promise that we can lay hold of. Amen. Okay, so to recap, I need to buy hot dogs. 1 minute ago. I just got a I got a notification to remind me at noon to buy hot dogs. City Market has a sale right now on hot dogs for $1.99. You guys should do it. Um, Because they're the Hebrew nationals. They're those holy hot dogs. They're good. (laughs) Number one of my seven promises for those that fear the Lord is the promise of a healthy family. Number two was wisdom and knowledge. Number three was strength to turn away from evil. Number four was life abundantly and satisfaction in said life. Five was protection, provision, and deliverance from trouble. Six was that we would that those who fear God would not need to be afraid. And number seven, those that fear God are considered his friends. And I believe, friends, this is just a fraction. This is just a, a tiny tidbit of the blessing that is reserved for those who fear the Lord. Um As you study it, as you kind of examine it, there are so many promises of Scripture um, that are really contingent upon one thing or another. And uh, I believe as we walk in obedience, as we live to love God, that we position ourselves to be blessed by Him. And I believe that the Lord has been manifesting these promises in our life, but I believe there's going to be an increased measure here in this season. Um, even just as we had kind of the altar earlier during the service, I believe that there has been intentionality behind his bride to honor him. I believe that we have taken steps as a congregation, as, as a church, to place him in the first place. And I believe that we are going to begin to receive, uh, I believe that we're going to reciprocate placing him in honor in a measure that we can't possibly fathom or comprehend. So with that, I'm going to invite us to stand. I'm going to pray for us this morning. Father, I thank you for this church. Lord, I thank you that you are a God that uh, that looks favorably upon us, that loves to bless your children. And Lord, I thank you that the as we've set our heart to honor you, as we've collectively even come together to make room for you, Lord, that uh, I believe that the natural byproduct of having you in the first place in our life is a life of blessing, is a life of favor. It's a life of honor, Lord, that your word actually tells us these things. And so, Lord, I'm asking that your goodness, Lord, would be demonstrated amongst your people. Lord, that's that's what we read in Psalm 31 earlier today. Lord, that you would love to pour out your goodness, that you would love to lavish it upon us in the presence of everyone before the people, Lord, that you might receive glory. Lord, I'm asking that this church would be full of people that have experienced the goodness of God, the blessing and the favor of God as well in the presence of everyone in Pagosa, Lord, that there'd be no denying that you are a God that blesses, that you are a God that lives, and you're a God that loves your children. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Our ministry is made possible entirely by the faithful generosity of people just like you. If you were blessed by this message and would like to partner with what the Lord is doing in Pagosa Springs, visit us online at www.opendoorpagosa.com. Here you can give, see our service times, and stay connected with Open Door Church. We hope to see you soon.